My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the lackadaisical Libro-Cubicalist. Today within the Libro-Cube is Book Wednesday. Books, probably my favorite of all medias that I bring back, if I had to guess. I feel wrong for saying that, because TV and movies and video games and uh, internets are so amazing, but books... I think is the only one that, if I had to choose, I would choose books. Alright? Alright. Something I say at the top of every show that is very, very important is that there will be spoilers. So, this is your one and probably only spoiler warning. You have been warned. Take heed. Take all the heed I have. Pile on the heed. Heed. Which is also what Scottish people call head. Heed. Another thing I like to say is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. No, that is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you subscribe, rate, and comment on iTunes, because that, my friends, is what helps podcasts grow and flourish. Thank you already for those who have done so. Very, very much appreciated. And all the nice things you've had to say, also... Very, very much appreciated. Uh, okay, so now for a little behind-the-scenes podcast action. Uh, yesterday, this is behind-the-scenes, obviously. Yesterday was actually Monday. Aha! I recorded a Movie Monday episode, and it is going to fall into the category of a lost episode. Fuck! That sucks so much. Pisses me off very, very much. But... Um, trying to work out how to record with this boom headset microphone has not been easy. I think I may have figured it out now, uh, and even though I have figured it out, the workingness of it is feels kind of sporadic to me. So, uh, driving me nuts. If anyone, please, has a suggestion for a way to record very, very good quality audio on an iPhone 5 while driving... Uh, please let me know. There is something coming down the pipeline called the uh, Zoom IQ5, which looks very, very promising and probably what I will end up with. However, it is not yet available. So there's that problem in the way. What did I do? Um, I did Superman Unbound. I did uh, Lake Placid. And I did uh, This is 40. So why don't I just give my ratings and we'll call, we'll call it a day for Movie Monday. Uh, Superman on Down, I gave a 4. Lake Placid, I gave a 3. And um, This is 40, I gave a 5. Very, very highly recommend This is 40. Okay, uh, let's jump in to Book Wednesday because I got a good goddamn book. If you listened to last Book Wednesday, you will know I am reading... The Live Ship Trader series by Mrs. Robin Hobb. Uh, specifically, this episode will have the details of book two called Mad Ship. And it's not mad as in crazy, or sorry, it's not mad as like angry. The ship is very pissed off. No, no. Well, he is a little pissed off, but mad as in crazy. Ooh. 
I don't know why I'm making a ghost sound for a crazy ship. No sense. No sense. Oh, shit, almost forgot. We gotta get paid, don't we? Today's sponsor, which is... The Hindenburg and Titanic Travel Insurance Plan. Once again, today's sponsor is the Hindenburg and Titanic Travel Insurance Plan. Brought to you by... The Devil. Okay, so, uh, in a book Wednesday in which I am doing a series, I sort of learned from the first time I did a uh, series on a book Wednesday that I don't really travel too much back into previous books because uh, either A, you are listening along with me, or B, you can go back and listen to the episode in which I spoke of book one, or C, and this is the most ideal... You are reading along with me and listening along with me. If that is you, uh, what I want you to do, please, 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 is email me to the address provided in the closing credits or tweet at me. I am Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter because I would love to hear what you think of the book. Thank you for that, if you do that. Okay, so, uh, Burke, 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 Burke starts out. Where the first book left off. Huh, it's funny how that works. <laughs> uh, Althea, who uh, I kind of thought as the main character, but uh, I'm feeling that less and less that she's the main character. Uh, I guess maybe she is. There's no real main character because the book jumps around to multiple characters throughout the entire book. And now that I think about it, perhaps not as much energies are focused on Althea in this book as they were in the first one. Maybe it's just, you know what I think it is? Why I kind of feel like she's the main character? Because her section of the first book was the first section of the book. So maybe that sort of kind of gives you the feel that she is the most important character, despite the fact that she may not necessarily have the greatest quantity of the book devoted to her story. Hmm. Interesting thought. What do you think on that? Again, email, Twitter, there you go. So she's uh, on her way back to Bingtown. <laughs> That's kind of a weird name for a, for a city in a fantasy novel. Normally they're kind of crazily named. But this one's Bingtown. Yep, Chandler Bing lives there. Founder, apparently. So the, that's where she starts out. She does eventually make it back to Bingtown. Hmm. As you can expect. Brashen, who uh, left off the last book, was sort of getting uh, a little into the pirating. Has further delved into the pirate lifestyle. However, he has learned through his pirate cronies that the Vivica, the or Vivacia, I kept saying Vivica, but I think it's Vivacia. Anyways, the Vivacia, the main live ship of this book, was captured by the pirate Kenneth. So he still feels he has a duty to the Vestrit family, he, who sort of took him in when he was down on his luck. Uh, so he makes his way back to Bingtown as well to tell them. Then uh, they try to get help from the traders of Bingtown with uh, no success. I was going to say limited success, but no, they get no success. They devise a plan, and sort of the only plan they can devise is that they are going to refit a live ship 
that has been beached many, many years ago. Beached because it went mad, not once, not thrice, but twice, and killed, allegedly, all of its crew. Uh, the ship is called the Paragon. And I believe that is the uh, titular live ship, the mad ship in question. Oh, baby. So, they're going to take a ship that has probably gone mad, refit it, and then sail it in search of the pirates that captured the Vivacia. That is their plan. That is just what they do. Now, uh, great sections of this book are devoted to that fact. However... Uh, I summed it up there, and I think I summed it up enough for you to kind of know what's going on. Uh, basically, I, I enjoyed this section, the sort of uh, refitting, uh, finding of a crew, training of a crew, settling into their new roles, um, sailing. I, I like stuff like that in books. Very, very, very much enjoyed it. However, uh, skipping over it, when talking about it right now, uh, you're not going to miss any sort of main plot points. So that's why it felt like Althea and Brashen's section, although kind of one of the main sections, was not chunky. Not a lot of heft to it. Okay? Okay. That will move us on to... We'll leave those two behind, because that's, that's where their part of the book ended. They're off to find the pirates. Yeehaw. That, uh, in the in the book three that I'm reading right now, that potentially has some really cool stuff that's going to happen, though, with them finding the pirates and trying to get the ship back. Cool beans. Next, we move on to uh, Wintro and Kennet. Wintro, who is who was aboard the Vivacia when it was captured by Kennet. Uh, the sole survivors were Wintro and his father, Kyle. They did not get along. Hmm. One of those situations where Kyle wanted him to become a sailor and eventually take over the, the captaining of the ship. However, he was in the priesthood and just wanted to go back to that sort of sedate lifestyle. Hmm. Uh, this, their section of the book starts out with how Captain Kennet had his leg, in the previous book, bitten off by a goddamn sea serpent. What? He was not doing great. It was sort of turning gangrenous. So they had to cut off some more of it in order to save his life. Uh, it's during this sort of section that Wintro and Kennet, in their sort of shared misery of the situation, become closer to one another and almost develop a sort of bond. Uh, this is sort of amplified by the fact that the ship has a sort of psychic link with Wintro and a developing psychic link with Kennet, uh, that, mixed with the fact that both of their blood has stained the ship, uh, on a live ship, if your blood is spilt on it, you become sort of intertwined, uh, almost psych psychically, mentally, your memories sort of co-mingle. Um, if I were to just cut my finger and spill a little blood, it wouldn't be a huge, you know, deal. However, this is a goddamn leg cut off, so... They became, the three of them, much, much closer and sort of trusting of one another. So it was an interesting sort of dynamic to see develop between these two, who, as you can imagine, uh, right off the bat hated each other. Pirates taking a ship from someone, you're not going to like that pirate. But no, uh, a sort of respect develops. 
So Kenneth knows of the rift between Wintro and his father, Kyle. So what he decides to do is not kill him, although that's probably what he would like to do, uh, but rather strand him on an island, an island in which his uh, mother lives. <laughs> Basically left him with his mom. Um, there, there's something going on on this island. I'm not quite sure what it is. It was barely touched upon, but uh, I have a feeling that things are going to brew on it. Uh, I can't quite tell what they are yet. That's just a, just a thought I have. Uh, once that task is accomplished, Kenneth and his crew, along with his... Um, it's not wife, they're not married, but his girl. Her name's Etta, a former prostitute who sort of devoted her life to him for saving her. Also, Wintro and Toe head back to Divi Town. Divi Town, another kind of strange name, now that, now that I think about it. Well, that, that one makes sense, because it is the sort of... I guess one way you could look at it is the, the pirate capital. Uh, it's a bit of a slum and a bit of a shit pit. However, it is the largest of the pirate cities. Divi Town, I guess, makes sense because that's where pirates will go and, I guess, divvy up their goods, their ill-gotten goods. Mm -hmm. uh, they arrive, and the town has been ransacked. Shit. There are a group of people in this world called the... Uh, I think I'm going to get this wrong. Chalcedines. I may or may not have pronounced that right. See, that's what I'm talking about. You need names like that that you can't pronounce. Chalcedines? Mm, sure. Good as anything. Anyways, these people sound very, very bad and are basically slavers. That's sort of their role in this world. So they sacked the town and took uh, a shit ton of the pirates as slaves, killed a bunch the, the remaining uh, people left, hid in the forest, when they saw Kenneth approach. At first, they were super, super pissed off at him because uh, you could kind of lay this at his door for being his fault just because he had been uh, harassing slave ships and freeing slaves. So uh, the slavers kind of said, enough is enough. We're going to go take care of these pirates once and for all. However, what they did not count on is Kenneth's drive to make for a better um, life for one and all of the pirates and slaves. So he stayed around for, uh, I'm not sure how long time jumped in this section, however, he stayed around the town and like helped rebuild it and fortify it so that if these slavers come back, they're going to have a fight on their hands. Mm -hmm. He's kind of done that throughout the Pilot Isles, taken shitty towns that are falling apart, and built them back up, and made them profitable, and able to fend for themselves. So he is sort of um, fulfilling the prophecy that was given to him by the others, <laughs> the others. I, I'm not being vague here. They're called the others. Uh, that he would one day be a king of the pirates. Mm -hmm. Which brings us to uh, the sort of next section where he revisits the others. And they're called the others. Okay? Yes. Uh, which is uh, basically a, a very, very small, difficult to get to aisle. 
uh, in which the inhabitants can prophesize your future. He decides that because he and Wintrow have sort of become intertwined with one another, their fates, their destinies are linked with one another, that he wants to get uh, Wintrow prophesized as well. Hmm, interesting thought. So they go to this island, and Wintrow has to kind of go it alone. And he, on his journey on this isle, frees a sea serpent. Hmm, interesting. It turns out that the others did not really have the gift of prophecy. No, no, no. Uh, what it was that this captured for hundreds, if not thousands of years, sea serpent would release poisons... Poisons that, when sort of imbibed by the inhabitants of the island, would give the gift of prophecy. And the, uh, it was kind of a really cool way that they did this, because it's not so much that uh, you'll take a drink of it and then you'll be able to see the future. That, you know, that, that's that been done, I suppose, and it's an interesting th- thing to do. But no, what they've done is, because these sea serpents are so long-lived... And this particular one has the memories of its entire race sort of stored within its genetic material. Uh, when imbibed, these poisons will let you see the past in such incredible clarity that you will be able to sort of, from knowing the past in such minute detail, to predict what will happen in the future. Ha ha ha. Interesting. So kind of, uh, I really very much like that. It's like the thought that if I know absolutely everything sort of, I don't know if you'd go as far as like absolutely everything down to the molecules that has preceded my existence back to the beginning of time. If I know all of that, I can kind of probably predict what the future will look like. Yeah, so that's sort of a, a cool logic to that. Uh, in this breakout, in which uh, Wintrow releases this sea serpent, he is sort of uh, inadvertently poisoned by it. It's almost like uh, kind of how they described it is the sea serpent escapes, uh, almost like jumps off a cliff. Wintrow falls off the cliff as well. He would have, you know, hit rocks and died, however, landed atop the sea serpent. Um, which is better than death. However, he was poisoned. He's sort of swollen up at this point and um, at death's door. Mm. So, folks, that is where I'm going to leave off for now. Uh, I do have more to talk about after I have done eight hours' work. So, there you go. Uh, the remaining stuff is, uh, is really, really cool. So I highly recommend you come back. Uh, for you, though, it won't feel like eight hours. So that will make it less of a burden to come back. For you, it will feel like seconds. Hmm. Let me just say, as I do... Love you, dearies. I'm a fool to do your dirty... Working, working, working. And we're back. We are back! We are back! We are back! We are back! Back! We are back! Back in action! Hello again... Eight hours of work completed, and by golly, I fit in a lot of work in that eight hours. <sighs> Tired. Hmm. Thus concludes Jordan's work talk for today. Uh, I do believe I have figured out 
Oh, fuck, I'm going to say this and automatically jinx myself. Do believe I have figured out uh, my way around this boom headset microphone finally? Uh, I figured out that it is not working when it is plugged in and it says internal microphone. When it is plugged in and is working, it says headset. Hmm. That seems to be what um, equals workingness. <sighs> now, the, the sort of catch with this is that it is hard, for some reason, for uh, the iPhone to register when it is plugged in or not. I gotta like play play around with it, uh, unplug it, plug it back in, screw it in, even though it's just a, a headset jack. I don't know. So, uh, not for my for my let's say peace of mind, not 100% where I like to be. Hmm. So that, my friends, concludes Jordan's uh, podcast behind the scenes stuff talk. Oh man, bugs me about that. M- now sort of missing Movie Monday, I'm sure there was at least one thing I may have said that could have caused a smile on somebody's face. Hmm. And isn't that really the reason deep down that I'm doing this? Mm, No, it's not. The main reason is that I like doing it, and it's sort of uh, a pressure valve on my brain that releases the sort of constant influx of media that I consume into a outflux of media talk. Hmm, yeah. My sort of podcasting philosophy of do it at least 50% to 99% for yourself for the reason that you like doing it with the remaining percent for sort of in the hopes that others will listen and like and it may grow into a thing. That's my philosophy. Okay, so moving back in to Book Bo Wednesday. Save the best for last, I think. It's kind of what I tried to do. Uh, so we've talked Althea, we know where she is. We've talked Brashen, we know where he is. We've done Wintrow, we've done Kennet. Uh, only thing really remaining is Malta. Hmm, what's she been up to, girlfriend? <laughs> snap, snap, snap. She has, uh, I talked about in the first book, she is a character in the first book that I hated. <laughs> uh, and, and it's not that I disliked how Robin Hobb wrote her and thought it was bad. It's just she was a fucking bitch, man, and I, I hated her. So uh, in, in that sense, Robin Hobb did a very, very good job because I think that is the sort of feel she was going for. Just a conniving, thinks nothing but herself, not an altruistic bone in her body, greedy, but not, not not even one redeeming quality to her personality. Somehow, some way, uh, it has changed to a certain degree. She's still got some of that brewing within her bosom. Uh, however, kind of turned a leaf as far as well, being forced, really, into a situation where it was either change or just be perpetually miserable. Uh, the Vestrit family, of which Malta is the youngest girl member, uh, has hit hard times with the loss of their ship, the fact that Bingtown in general is sort of losing money 
hand over fist due to the slave trade. So she and her family that remained in Bingtown have sort of been forced to uh, cut way, way back, sell all their jewelry, not purchase new fancy, fancy dresses, uh, and just sort of live more uh, by more means that, well, just live by the means that they could afford in order to sort of save to pay off their debts. This has forced her to kind of figure out that life is not all going to fancy, fancy balls and um, buying jewelry and perfumes and stuff like that. She's kind of had to take a hard look at herself and realized that maybe she's got some growing up to do. Yep, she's really growing up before her eyes. Really, really warms the cockles. Uh, And with this comes her development of an actual, perhaps even possible brewing of a likable personality. Uh, Her section here sort of, uh, I don't want to say culminates, but starts to get interesting more so in uh, when she is presented as a woman to the the um, to the traders of Big Town. And the traders of Big Town are sort of like, uh, I don't think royalty is the right word. In fact, it's not the right word, but kind of like uh, they are a court. So she is sort of presented at a court, presented at a court ball uh, as a woman for the first time. And this is something all women in Bingtown go through. Her uh, presentation as a woman was perhaps rockier and more interesting than most, just because she, well, she didn't have the money to buy a fancy, fancy dress, so they sort of cannibalized many dresses. Uh, Strangely enough, uh, and sort of amazingly enough, Robin Hobb has made this sort of section that I would normally find boring. Uh, Interesting, yeah. I didn't. Uh, I didn't mind it. I didn't. Sometimes these sections in books like this, of a of a young girl and romance and stuff like that, I'd kind of uh, flick through with no interest. But uh, Robin Hobb has managed to squeeze in some interest. So very impressed on that note. The other thing is that these sections are the most kind of heavily political. Which, uh, another thing I don't usually like in fantasy novels are when it gets heavy into the politics. It kind of bores me. Uh, Again, they've managed, she has managed to combine both of these things in predominantly these Malta sections and make them interesting. So, mine kind of blown on that. Just, uh, I think I gave out this morning my rating of 5 out of 5. If not, there it is there. Hmm, very good. So uh, at this ball, she starts out dancing with uh, Rain, and that is spelt R-E-Y-N. I I assume that is pronounced Rain. How else would you pronounce it? Rian? Ray-Lion? I don't know. I'm going to say Rain. He is a member of the Rain Wilds people, Hmm. who we've, uh, I believe, touched on in book one, so I won't go into too much detail. They are the people who sort of provide the traders of Bingtown with their live ships. Interesting. So they are very, very rich. And uh, sort of the possibility here and what uh, Rain wants to happen is to marry Malta, uh, sweep her away, and bring her to the Rain Wilds to live with him and sort of wipe out their debt. Huh. 
Malta is sort of of two minds here, perhaps even three minds. One is that she likes the thought of being rich, so that's kind of the old Malta. The old Malta also does not necessarily want to marry him for love, uh, and is fearful because something about the Rainwild people is that they all wear uh, veils over their face because something to do with living in the Rainwilds can and does uh, disfigure you to certain degrees. Uh, why don't I just say right now that Rain's disfigurement uh, is sort of the uh, on the very, very low end of the scale. He's He's a little scaly, in fact. On the low end of the disfigurement scale, he is scaly. Hmm. Interesting. But you could get, like, warty, scaly, uh, and then further grossifications of your face and body. So uh, that's something the old Malta is like, I don't want to marry someone like that. But then the new Malta is like, "Uh, I do think maybe I love him despite the fact that his face may be disfigured. She, at this point, has not yet seen it. And then the new Malta as well is like, well, if it will help my family, which is something the old Malta would never say, if it will help my family, maybe I should marry this guy. So that's who she has her first dance with. Her second dance is with sort of her first crush, um, just sort of a local Bingtown trader's son, nothing too exciting there. Her last dance, however, is with the Satrap, or... Did I spell that? Did I write that right? S-A-T-R-A-P. He is sort of... He's the leader of uh, the Jamalian people. I always, whenever I read it in this book, uh, I always read it as Jamaican. Just because usually... I don't know. You know what? I'm kind of curious about this. Do other people do this? Usually, if not always, in fantasy novels, when there are complicated names... I will sort of almost assign them less complicated names. So, for example, just the example we use here is that they're something like Jamalians or some such like that. I just call them Jamaicans, which is also amusing. So, good for two reasons. Uh, she dances with their leader, uh, their leader who is sort of the provisional leader of Bingtown and is supposed to protect Bingtown from the Chalcedons. Uh, probably getting that name wrong as well. Don't kill me for getting crazy fantasy names wrong, please. The uh, the satrap, which is uh, which is his title, kind of like king emperor, uh, is sort of very taken with her. Of course, she is supposed to be very beautiful. Uh, uh, so this uh, this sort of section ends with the sort of outburst. No, not outburst. With the knowledge brought by the satrap's companion that uh, his life is in danger. Oh, no. Uh, And someone is trying to uh, assassinate him, believed to be um, some of the Jamalian court way back where they are from has sort of set it up for him to be killed uh, in Bingtown, so the Bingtown people are blamed for it. Not good at all. He is luckily in time whisked away. Whisked away to the Rain Wild, sort of the last place where people will look. Uh, also protected because the Rain Wilds exist up the Rain 
River, or is it called the Rain Wild River? Anyways, up a river that not only is sort of treacherous from the point of view that you can easily get lost in it, but treacherous because the very waters will eat away at uh, any sort of normal ship. The only ships that can travel up it are live ships. Aha! So if your ship is made sort of just of normal wood, the, the water will, will corrode it away and eat it away, and it eats your very flesh. Oh, man, that is bad. So uh, the entire Vestrit clan heads up to these rain wilds as well. Why do they do this? Because uh, the satraps people and all the Chalcedon galleys that had sort of um, uh, escorted him from Jamalia. Oh, God. I'm saying these names wrong, and I feel bad for doing so. So don't, please, please don't say it. Please don't, please don't let me have it. Uh, so s- once it was learned that the satrap had sort of been spirited away, all these people lost their shit, <laughs> basically, and attacked Bingtown. Oh, crap. Attacked Bingtown and sort of sacked the harbor, had uh, burnt portions of of it as well and uh things were not going not going well it's basically war war had broken out so uh the vestrit clan with the exception of grandmother ronica fled to the rain wilds as well interesting stuff so this leaves uh this sort of section in bingtown uh with ronica remaining behind in the besieged bingtown Lastly, and most importantly, is the section where Malta travels to the Rainwilds. Uh, this section is sort of brings a lot together from the first book and sort of lets some, some curious things uh, to light, finally. And that is Dragons. Oh, fucking right. Fantasy novel. Folks, folks, hello, hello. Fantasy novel with dragons now <laughs> she malta is sort of psychically called to an underground section of an ancient city uh, an ancient city in which the Rainwild people periodically visit and bring back treasures magical treasures treasures that is sort of the reason why they are rich very very cool uh, within one of these sections is what turns out to be a slumbering goddamn dragon who Malta, through sort of several means, one in which she's she's kind of, I, I don't think brainwashed is perhaps 100% accurate, kind of brainwashed by this dragon and agrees to release the dragon if it helps save her her father and get her ship back and get her shit together, her shit back and her shit together, uh, releases this dragon. This dragon, and this is where the sort of bombs are dropping, the crazy fantasy thing bombs, in that this dragon, we learn, is the last of his kind. However, uh, there are his sort of young roaming about the planet still in the form of sea serpents. What? If you listen to my last podcast um, about uh, book one, you will know that I said something sort of crazy is going on uh, as far as sea serpents go. And this is what we kind of figure out at this point. That sea serpents will travel up the rain wild river 
Uh, however, they can only do so if they have their memories restored to them. Uh, the only way that happens is if they find a sea serpent with a certain special kind of poisons that can restore their memories. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. The one that Wintro let loose from the others. Okay, so once they they uh, swim up that river, they then sort of, almost like a butterfly, go into a sort of cocoon. And when they emerge from this chrysalis, this cocoon, uh, they come out as dragons. Fucking crazy shit. Sea serpents to dragons. Then the dragon apparently will lay its eggs, which then come uh, out as sea serpents. It's kind of a circle of life. Cool thing about that is that sort of ingrained within the sea serpent poison, ingrained within the very DNA of dragons and the chrysalis itself are the memories of all who have come before them. Crazy, crazy thought. Like it very much. Uh, now, the last bombshell that is dropped by this is that live ships, the very live ships that uh, all of the Bingtown traders own, the very live ships that, hell, this whole series is named after, are actually not made of wood. No! They are made out of the chrysalis, the cocoons of dragons. What the fuck? Uh, the cocoons and chrysalises of dragons that have all the memories of dragons stored within them. So, that is why, sort of buried deep down within each live ship, underneath its sort of existing personality, is the personality and memories of dragons. Jesus fucking Christ. Just sort of mind-blowing shit started popping out towards the end of this book. Uh, made me very, very excited for book three, which I will say, I'm about 80-ish some odd pages in, is very, very good. Uh, I'm super curious how all this is going to wrap up. Uh, this book, as I said, 5 out of 5. Book number one, 5 out of 5. Awesome, awesome series. The last book would have to be absolutely horrible, which is which it is not so far to get anything less than a 5 out of 5, I think. So, uh, highly, highly recommend this series. Uh, let me throw out my sort of predictions for book three. Althea and Brashen will eventually hook up. That's sort of a... it's going to happen. I think they'll get their ship back. Um, you know what? I don't know. I, I think... Robin Hobb has surprised me a little bit in how in some things, so I think maybe the possibility even exists that uh, Kenneth, the pirate king, gets to keep the ship. I don't know. It's possible. Uh, I think dragons will come back to this realm, and I'm excited to see that. Folks, that is it. I did it. Yes. Only one thing to say now, and that is, of course, it is nice to be nice. To the nice. Thank you for listening. This has been another edition of the Lackadaisical Libra Cubicle Wrist. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address mailwood.jordan at gmail.com. And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. No, something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fun?
You've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day. You ain't seen nothing yet. The best is yet to come and be. Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come. Come the day you're mine. Live long and prosper.